welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast and I'm super excited, even more excited, because one of my compact athletes is actually on the podcast. Yay! Super exciting. Um, so we have Laura and we have Stephen. I'll let them introduce themselves and they really do know their stuff. So we're going to be talking about peak week in particular because I have had like two girls message me and I've said I have no idea what to tell you. Go to your coach or go to someone else. So... Hopefully it's going to give you an overview of what you should be expecting, or if you have got into a peak week before, then a good top-up is always good. So welcome, Laura and Stephen, to the podcast. Hi, Jasmine. Thanks so much for having us on. No probs. So you've obviously competed a few times before, Laura, yeah. haven't you? Stephen, yeah. I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% about your competing background, but could you give a bit of an insight into that? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so my background is I used to be a fashion model. Um, and, and then I got into the more fitness side of things uh, as I just sort of loved training and I started to do a lot more sort of uh, underwear and uh, things like that. So I did like a campaign for Next um, and I did their underwear thing. And then I just started to uh, hit the explosion of the fitness industry when it kind of really kicked off back in like 2011. I sort of got on the cards of, you know, I thought about doing a show. So um, I did Mr. Great Britain is my first contest at the time. It was based on physique. Um, so I, that, I, did, I won that one in 2012, and then I kind of did a uh, like a couple of years after that. I did like a Miami Pro. I uh, came second at the Body Power Model Search Fit Factor in 13, and then WBFF in Africa. Um, and I've kind of done then a lot with the UK BFF uh, with the Fitness Model Division um, back in 2015, and I was very fortunate to win my qualifier go to the Diamond Cup and then the year after I won the Diamond Cup Um, and so I've done quite a yeah quite a lot of shows now. Is there no federation you haven't done but? (laughs) Well yeah yeah. 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 um, September September, I'll pick that box. There you go. (laughs) Yeah so IFBB, UK BFF yeah um, yeah. Talking about Peak Week then in particular I can imagine just for yourself or both for yourselves do peak weeks differ? Like, do you do you know like your system of what works for you or what works for your client, and then you kind of repeat that, or do you kind of change it? How do you do that for your baby, maybe for yourselves and for your clients as well? Okay, so I think like obviously, um, what I I'll, I'll I'll sort of cover if you want how I would overall do a peak week, and then maybe Laura, you can take some of the girl aspects of things, or other considerations. Yeah. Um, now, can like, I overlay that with a yeah. bit of a context? Like Please some crack of this on. could vary. Peak week will vary depending on the stage that your athlete is at when you peak them. So we're going to work on the assumption that they've given themselves plenty of time to prep and they're heading into peak week shredded. But that's not always the case. You know, if somebody comes to you a bit late, you haven't got as much time as you wanted to, as much as we can encourage them to go for a later show, like there are certain principles. Peak week isn't a magic week. It's the week to just, you know, put the cherry on top of the cake. Exactly. You don't want to be shoving like eggs in that cake. So, yeah, we're going to work on the assumption that this person is leading up. We're not chasing the tail or anything. It's the peak of the mountain, not the mountain itself, you yeah. know. So hopefully you've climbed the whole lot before you. Even... You, can, uh, you can have them. Yeah, you get if you podcast with me, it'll be analogy central. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, in, there are like the problem with peak week is that it's sort of deemed to be this magic week where no matter what state you're in, 
it's peak week, it'll all be fine. Um, and it kind of re then gets confirmed by hearsay in the gyms, coaches that have a maybe different perhaps school of thought to us, perhaps. And um, and then also then judges feedback as well. You know, we've all kind of been told you need to have your legs drier. Like, what does that even mean? Like, you need, yeah, you need to dry out a bit more. What? You know, that doesn't make any sense. So. I can't, but then, and then obviously then the athlete then thinks, oh, I need to get dry. How do I get dry? And straight away they think, um, right, well, I got to stop drinking water. Surely that's how I get dry. Um, I need to have a mouth like a desert. And obviously then I'll be real dry. But um, yeah, but actually what they mean by dry is just you need to look paper thin. So that actually means that what you've got between your muscle mass and your skin is zero body fat pretty much um so just yeah I'll, I'll kind of go over the the main i suppose principles of peaking someone what i'm got what i would go through with a client so the first thing is obviously i've got weeks and weeks of data i know kind of how many calories they're currently on i know what sort of weight loss they're um you know hitting per week so i know roughly what level of calorie deficit they're in each week okay because then that way i'll understand how much fat and energy they're using and then also how much they're then eating okay because the goal of peak week is to basically take someone that is very very lean and to fill them out with as much lean mass as possible so lean mass is carbohydrates and water and muscle mass obviously you can't really change your organ and you know your bones at this point so you just got to like let's not worry about those too much um but obviously the your your muscles are like big old sponges and what they'll do is for every gram of carbohydrate you store in that muscle you also store three to four grams of water with it okay now a typical um like 70 kilo male which has been shown in the research and when when we say general population, general population don't really train that much. So they've probably got less muscle mass than, uh, for example, like a, a male bodybuilder or even, um, you know, it could be potentially on par with. Yeah. So I, I, it's not actually too bad of a guide. Um, so anyway, the uh, a regular guy can take about 700 grams of carbohydrates. OK. Now, that's stored in the liver, in the blood, and then mainly in the muscle. OK, so we need to put in 700 grams of carbohydrates, OK, to fully maximize how big our muscles can look. So if we're looking for shape, we're looking for muscle tone, we're looking for definition, um, and we're looking to give a very, like, paper-thin appearance on stage, what we then need to maximize is... If you can basically increase your muscle volume, so your muscles get big and pumped, then any residue, obviously everyone's got body fat, right? No matter how lean you get, you've always got some. And that's going to be stored around the organs. You don't need to worry about that because that's not on show. And then it's the body fat between the muscle and then the skin. OK, now the bigger the surface area we can make with the muscle, those or that amount of body fat, because it will be a, you could basically dissect yourself at stage and you could weigh it all out and be like, okay, I've got 10 kilos of body fat. 10 kilos of body fat between the muscle and the skin is going to look much, much 
thinner if we can make the mass of the muscle much larger because it gets evenly spread across the body. Then that's how you get that really dry sort of grainy um, look, basically. Yeah, you want that full hard look um, in a, a very, very. Uh, and then you can like, depending on obviously the class and the federation, you can tweak that look a little bit. Right. So for, you know, bikini, you might not want to go in fully vascular. Like it might not be a look they want, whereas in other um, and it also depends on you. Right. What kind of look you prefer and like. So I always say that with my like bikini athletes, I'll strive to bring them in looking because it's a lot easier. You can make somebody look softer easily if you need to you can't make it up the other way around so yeah. and it's the same with um almost like prep i'll work on the assumption that i'll have my athletes ready a little bit sooner and then feed them into their show rather than you know peak week let's knock all your carbs out and put you on daily cardio because we need to get some shreds because you're not lean yeah. enough yet so um which often happens and you see that's why sometimes you see girls looking a little bit flat and almost like depleted and scrawling on stage it's just that they've had to chase for that rather than actually fill in the mouth uh, kind yeah. of gradually so going back to the um that's the goal we want to get people as big as possible in terms of their muscle mass okay so what is the common misconception is to basically put carbohydrates in and then drag everything else out so no water no sodium and all that kind of stuff however your body cannot change your um well you're basically your body's much much smarter than you are okay so even if you, for example, cut your sodium in order to basically um, like keep urinating, that's the goal is to cut cut sodium and to then, you know, like take diuretics to keep, you know, urinating because they think actually they want to drain the body of water. Um, well, actually, you can't change it because your body will just manipulate its hormones acutely so that you just don't urinate as much. Okay. Isn't that the same when people talk about like you can detox your body, but like if you change the pH of your blood, you would basically die. Like is it kind of that sort of thing? Yeah, you can't yeah. do it basically. You just can't, you just can't do it. Yeah. So um, it's it's just very tightly regulated. Okay. So then what happens is, as I sort of said earlier, one gram of carbohydrate. So we've got let's say we've got that seven hundred grams of carbohydrates, and you're going into this peak week really flat. You might have had the odd high day, but you've had like. 18, 20, 24 weeks of dieting where you've been using muscle glycogen throughout that entire process. So you're going to look really small at the start of peak week. So you've basically got a glass that needs to be filled completely right to the top. OK, because you're going to be running on dregs. OK, at this point, we've all felt that um, where you can't speak and whatnot. But anyway, you're running on dregs and you need to fill that glass right the way up. So in order to fill that glass right the way up, all those sponges, what we need is we need sodium. So we need to, you know, salt our food. We need to keep sodium within the diet. You don't need to worry about it too much, but you just need to kind of sort of heavily salt your food really is a good way to go. And then provide lots and lots of water. Okay. Because for every single gram of carbohydrate you put in, you're going to need three to four grams of water. Okay. So what we should see theoretically if you put if you gave someone 700 grams of carbohydrates, uh, so I'm trying to visualize what 700 because I'm on prep. I'm like, what would 700 grams of carbs give me right now? Uh, what's that? <laughs> that's, about, that's, about, that's about a kilo, <laughs> about of, cereal. kilo of cereal. Oh, man. OK. And you got okay. Costco for that. Now, that, now yeah. So, <laughs> so that needs to be a kilo of cereal on top of your maintenance calories. OK, because the whole point is that. 
in the peak that you can, however you want to run it, but most people, or like what I'll typically do is run pretty low in the week, and then about three days out, I'll start to put these carbohydrates in, okay? So what I need their body to do, because they're going to be still burning calories every single day, what we need to do is we need to take their calories back up to a point where they're not in, where they're no longer burning body fat, okay? So you've actually, you're at maintenance, you're equilibrium. So calories might have gone up by 500 already, okay? And then we need to work on putting that 700 back in. So you could do an extra 350 on one day, and then you could do the 350 on the next day, for example, and then plenty of water with it. Now, at this point, if you've got 700 grams of carbohydrates have gone in, and then also... This isn't 700 for everyone, yeah, by the way. It this could would vary. depend on your maintenance, depends on how much mass you've got. Yeah. Like, oh, everyone starts buying like a kilo of cereal. Yeah, don't, like, I've just yeah. got visions of bikini athletes like, everywhere going, Stephen Fox told me to get the Cheerios. Yeah, that's it. Well, look, if you... That, so that's, if you do want my coaching, that is what you get, okay? Um, so, that's uh, it, guys. Podcast over, box Cheerios. Yeah, that's it. But, you know, I, you know, some of my female clients will be actually getting pretty close to that. But um, uh, anyway, so you then put in the water. So actually the next day you should expect a weight increase. You've got 700 grams of um, obviously carbohydrates that have gone in in addition to what you normally have. Plus then you'll be storing, um, you know, what's that? 2.1 grams. Uh, sorry, 2.1 kilos of water that you're storing in the muscle cell. So actually, you should have gained maybe two to three kilos the next day. Because that's the thing, people kind of, sorry, people kind of like, I see a lot of people say, oh, I was X weight on, oh, yeah, I was X weight on stage. And they kind of fixate on trying to hit that stage weight. From what you're saying, it's kind of probably not the best idea to do that. I don't know. The weight you step on stage at should be heavier than your pre-carb up peak week weight. Because if you're holding on to this glycogen and water within your muscles, which is what's going to make you look full, your scale weight should go up. Now, what sometimes happens is even though somebody's getting fuller and harder, scale weight will decrease because that person has dropped a bit of water because they've been dieting hard for a few weeks. So now all of a sudden you give them food and their body goes, oh, cool, I can relax now. So you might see a bit of a water drop, which is why that scale weight drops. From, from the lack of stress. That, yeah. yeah. Now, as a coach, it's so, so useful to have the weight as a gauge. But this is where I think guys and girls are a little bit. Girls get kind of quite hung up on the scales. So I've had it in the past before. I think guys with, are the same too. Oh, really? <laughs> they are just as bad. It's just athletes in general. <laughs> it's all but, of them. You know, like, actually, for some of my clients, I know that a couple of days before they've got a step on stage in a bikini, particularly the ones that are quite scale focused, despite me telling them for weeks and weeks, it, do, it does not matter. Like, nobody's going to weigh you before you get on the stage. You know, that can mess with your head a little bit. And I've been there. I've seen it go up. And then I've gone, oh, my God, I've lost, like, I've gained all this body weight overnight. And I know. I know the science. I know it's meant to go up, but it still throws you. Um, so, you know, sometimes as a strategy, I guess that's where I'd be a little bit different with girls. I don't weigh them. I just look at their pictures in the morning, in the evening. We look at how they're looking throughout peak week. If they still look a bit flat, we put trickle some more carbs in, but I'm sure still do things. Yeah. So once we've sort of loaded up on whatever we think is, you know, optimal. Um, and again, like Laura said, it all depends on the person. Um, I've got clients I've worked with, you know, their fourth show now. They know the drill. They know what's going to happen. Um, and I see my response, uh, my responsibility as a coach. Um, I'm going to tell my athletes what they're going to expect that day. So from day one of carb up, you're going to look real soft and watery. You're going to look a bit bloated. 
so that when they tell me later on, oh, Steve, I look a bit bloated and watery, they're cool with that because I've told them that's what they're going to look like. But I'm going to say to them, well, tomorrow you're going to work up, you know, you're going to wake up really, really hard and full and dry. So then they can expect this and then it, you know, creates a lot less um, anxiety. And obviously, like with us, with what we do, we give daily support in peak week, you know, morning, evening, whatever, because any problem, we want to make sure that there's minimal stress as possible in absolutely everything we try to cover. So you run those two days. They know what they should expect. Like Laura said, you can take whatever strategy you feel is necessarily for the sort of psychology of your client. Um, and then also then on that day, what I'll then do is have a, a day where I can monitor things. So that day then, so they've carved up. They now have a day. This is the day before show. Um, I can either put them in a calorie deficit if I just want to tighten them up a little bit. If they do um, or look like they're holding a little bit of excess body fat, if we maybe push the carbs up a little bit too high. Because um, I do try and spill some of my clients deliberately for this reason so that I can maximize how full they are. And then what I can always do is top them up later on in the evening, you see. Um, yeah, or you could just run another high day. So it's very depending on the individual and a really good strategy as well is to actually practice this over a couple of weeks. Um, so what you can then do is maybe practice three weeks out and then see what someone is looking like after a couple of high days. The great thing about that, that's another benefit of having your athlete ready early as well, is that it gives you a chance, well, it gives them a chance to play around with food choice yeah. for carving up as well. Because, you know, we don't give much guidance other than stick with what you're already doing. Like peak week carb up, as exciting as it can be after weeks, like as a female, you might have been on 100 grams of carbs and all of a sudden, you know, Stephen Box tells you to get 700 grams. You might want to go and get that cereal, right? But it's not the time to get sexy or fancy with your carbs. Like save that for post-show. Stick to things that you digest well, you look good on. Like, um, And that's where actually with my clients, I'll be honest, I am a little bit bro. Like four weeks out, I, I tell them, I'm like, right, it's bro time now. Like Pop-Tarts are going away. We're going single ingredient with our diet. Um, you know, even stuff like actually if they've been having like sugar-free jellies and things, if they digest them fine, not a problem, but for some people it can cause a bit yeah. bloating, a bit of that. And again, psychologically, as a bikini athlete, you want to feel tight around your middle. You don't want to feel like gassy. It's not good. Sweeteners then, do you advise them to cut them out? Do they kind of stay in your client's kind of protocol? What do you do with that generally? Sweet. Again, it depends how somebody like responds to it if somebody has like for example a can of monster let's say before they train and they're absolutely fine with that this is me this example i have a can of monster before i train and i'm absolutely fine i'll actually keep that in right peak week because that's no big issue but the other stuff i will the stuff that i notice bloats me like i'm a big fan of smoothie bowls i put xanthan gum in them so it sticks makes me horrendously bloated not a big deal it's not going to stop me losing body fat but I don't really want that before I happen to step on stage. So, again, I, I say to my clients, if we can cut it out, great. It just minimizes the risk. But don't cut out the most important thing still in these last four weeks is your adherence to your diet. So if that smoothie bowl is going to stop you face planting yeah. some Oreos, then just keep your sweeteners in. It, like, Yeah, it, you know, I'm not going to start cutting out whey protein if they've got oh, no. unless they've got like a problem with dairy or something or if they're like, oh, I'm, I might be a bit gluten intolerant and I'm like, even if I don't think they are, I'll just probably say, look, avoid it if you're unsure. Because the last thing that you want in your mind is any doubt mm -hmm. at this time. So actually, 
the simplest approach is often best. But I've heard loads of things. Like, oh, you can only drink bot- bottled water. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah, like, nonsense. Yeah, you know, you can't drink from the tap, God yeah. forbid. Um, but, you know, it's... You've been on it your whole life, but, you yeah, know, for these it. next four weeks... I mean, you've, like, you've looked yeah. shredded for the last 12 weeks, but now... Yeah. So this all this is all I would say is um, with peak week, you want to like, actually one of the best ever peaks I ever did with someone and he looked phenomenal was basically I dieted him down so early. OK, and he let's say he ended his diet on 200 grams of carbs a day and he was six weeks out at this point. I was like, right, next week, 300 grams of carbs a day. Week after that, 350. Week after that, 400. And he just basically ate the same diet, but a load more carbohydrates every day. He was shredded, full, vascular. There was no stress. There was no peak week per se. It was just a case of drink this much water, keep salt in your food. And, um, you know, basically then it becomes more of a thing with people is, you know, skin prep. You know, are you uh, exfoliating, you know, a a few weeks out? Um, I get like a full body scrub, like professionally done, because I think right now I know all my skin is like really well looked after um and i you know start to moisturize and things actually that's stuff that people forget about um you know when do you shave or wax versus when you're going to get your tan in you know you put the effort in and you'll end up looking like a golden statue versus looking like you've just rolled in pig shit um so it really you know and then it starts running oh it's dreadful so yeah i think how many people have lost a show because their tan was crap and what they'll do is they'll blame the tanner um, and they'll say, oh, my tan was rubbish. Well, you didn't prep your skin. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. And then throw in like um, crazy dehydration protocols. No wonder your skin looks like hard leather, you know. So um, sometimes actually the, as I said, you can't really change as well. I think there's this other misconception that you can change the difference in like water volume between um your muscle and your skin you cannot change that ratio it will always again it's very like held very tightly so no matter what you try and do you're still going to retain water at the same rate so yes if you put more water in the muscle you will retain more between the muscle and the skin but if that if your volume size of your muscle is now increased dramatically maybe even like you know 40 percent or something then and you're full in hard then actually that water is going to be dispersed over a larger surface area along with the body fat. And you're going to feel great on stage. You're not going to have a headache. You're not going to be cramping up. You're not going to be sweating profusely. You're just going to feel really good and actually enjoy the day as well. So, um, you know, if you are listening and, you you, you know, you, your coach does maybe say, look, you need to be doing X, Y and Z. And you're thinking, should I be doing that? Like, is that even safe? Because there are some really big issues out there and some real extremes that can happen in some dangers that, you know, can occur by massively trying to manipulate water, you know. And then also you've got that people start messing around with diuretics in, um, you know, sodium and potassium. That's levels that go all over the place. And before you know it, you're in the toilet. Potassium's too low. You're in big trouble. Yeah. And I remember getting told um, about like. And I saw it with other girls like vitamin C and dandelion extract. Is what what is that actually used for? And is that something that helps? Is it worth it? Like, what are your opinions on that? Because I see it a lot. And I to that I had I was told by my coach um, last year to take it. So I'd be interested to hear what you think. 
it's a diuretic to keep people pee, essentially, to help with part of the kind of water manipulation, drying out process. Again, like... But, yeah, if, you, if you're trying to keep the water in, like as we've sort of said, the benefits of doing that, the last thing that you want to be doing is trying to urinate all that away. Um, so again, it's a case of it's not going to enhance your look in any way. Um, you know, obviously there are competitors that might need water manipulation based on, um, for example, if they are on performance enhancing drugs, that could be a causation of why they're having very extreme water retention, which is why the problem is, is sometimes something might happen, it, you know, at a level with athletes like that. But then their coach uses a strategy with them and then they get, for example, a natural bikini athlete and then they apply the same process. But physiologically and hormonally, they're in completely, completely yeah. different. Going on about the dehydration sort of aspect, I've got down here about like alcohol. So I you see kind of the general trend of girls drinking wine like the night before they go they step on stage and then the day off stage. Like, I'm not going to lie. Some of the girls were like, you know, you do you. They were absolutely wasted. Like, Living the best life. <laughs> and I was just sitting there like, I'm, they're like, do you want one? I'm like, no, I, I don't. I, I honestly have no idea whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or like what the effects are. But yeah, I just remember Evan being really drunk and I just felt really sober. And I was like, this is really strange. <laughs> but yeah, what are your like opinions on that? Like, I don't know. Does it make that much difference? Yeah, so we have slightly differing opinions on this. Well, around my side, I think. Well, I don't drink. Just I just don't drink. So I do. It's, right. <laughs> now the from a from a science point of view, um, I can understand the the logic behind it, and we did it with your last peak week, right? Yeah. Back in um, you know, for the fight uh, for your show. In, in the PCA show in Birmingham. And basically, the, again, the theory behind it is why people do it. It's to probably help with this drying out effect. So it helps with the dehydration process. OK, like we've all I mean, back, you know, when I was younger and I did have a few drinks, probably when I was a bit cooler and a bit more fun, um, you know, you'd have a few drinks, wake up the next day, be real vascular and you think you look like the Hulk. Right. So people try and, uh, you know, also do this. But what they fail to realize is that they probably smashed a Domino's pizza as well. All the carbs are in, all the fats are in and also all of the sodium as well. And you've probably been drinking all day and all night. So actually, you're not dehydrated at all. You've just included alcohol. OK, and that might have helped with the vascularity things in the dilation of, you know, how things work. But basically, so if we kind of put that to one side and the goal is to preserve glycogen in the body so you've carved up and then what we're trying to do then is keep you topped up to a certain amount with calories and calories can come from protein fats carbohydrate or alcohol which a lot of people don't uh, alcohol is a macronutrient okay uh, for most people that they completely forget about it it is a macro and um then not it, on my fitness part. no i was just about that. to say that i was like well where is it on my fitness part? yeah she does yeah yeah she's not even <laughs> counting the fourth macronutrient um so anyway so what we can do with that is alcohol is actually very carbohydrate sparing so if you drink alcohol you will preferentially use the calories from the alcohol before you start using the carbohydrates that you've got stored in the muscle okay 
So it can be a really good strategy to um, stay looking full. Stay looking full. Okay. Now, don't get wasted. Don't, yeah, because then, you know. That's not cool either. Nobody wants to see Bambi on ice on stage. No. But... And also, you need, again. So I don't need again. alcohol to look like Bambi on ice, <laughs> I tell you. So. And, and again, it's like one of those that if you haven't been drinking for the last 12 weeks because you've been on some sort of like white fish and asparagus and without any deviation, then, yeah, probably throwing in some alcohol into the mix if you haven't had it isn't a smart idea. If you've maybe enjoyed the odd glass now and again and you know you deal with it fine, you know you don't get any gas or bloating or whatever, like with any other food, it could be a viable option. And not only that, if it does help relax you, if you're quite a sort of stressed out sort of person and you get quite stressed pre-show, you know, especially if it's your first time, you're probably, I remember mine, I was nervous as hell. So probably having a drink the night before would have, you know, helped you sleep a little bit better then that obviously will help you retain less water in the morning through, um, you know, cortisol being higher because we can bring that stress levels down through just getting a good night's sleep. Um, so it, it can have some other sort of benefits, really, but not for the reasons that I think people say to have it's it. Not yeah. Oh, that's no, that's really interesting to know because I just had no idea. And I was the first timer, so I was just like, I just, I'm not touching anything that my coach hasn't told me to touch. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably the best option, really. Yeah, true, true. In terms of how long a peak week should be, is it the kind of standard a week as in seven days? Is it the case of technically a couple of weeks? Like how, I don't know, how long should a peak week technically be? There's this common misconception, I think, with a lot of peak weeks that you have to run somebody down to next to no carbohydrates at the start of the week as well because they believe there's this like super compensation effect so that when you do put carbs in, you'll look fuller. But that's not correct. That there is, uh, as far as to my knowledge, there's no research to support that. Yeah, there's no, um, it's, with all this stuff, we are working on the very, very tip of what we can use in terms of science. Yeah. Because there is hardly any research on any of this stuff, all we kind of can do is use the best knowledge that we've got based on science and how the human body works and then apply personal preference and then with experience experience as well. So I've tried it actually with a recent client. I did experiment with it like a real like nails to the wall. He was on 50 grams of carbs a day and then it was like bang straight in. No difference where I did it at the time before. But yeah, he looked he looked bloody phenomenal both times in both placed in both shows. So w- would it have been the difference between him coming first and second? Uh, sorry, like he came second in both shows. Would it have been the difference between him coming first? No. Was it different between him coming second and third? No, because the other variables such as tanning, posing, you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. but you know, Laura's right. There's nothing to support that. It would yeah. Work. So that's why I think people sometimes run a peak week. But in terms mm. of... Um, like when you would start carbing somebody up and we always favor carbing somebody up into the show. So what we call like a back load as a front, as opposed to a front load where you give somebody their carbohydrates early on and then you run them down into their show. Um, that will depend on the size of your athlete. For some females, I actually will do it over like 
three days instead of it just means then as well like we don't have to go too aggressive with the carb up because again with females especially if they have been on like they're on less food throughout a prep generally so their digestion might be a bit more sensitive to if we suddenly start putting in a load of food in one go and then also the psychological element of doing that as well if somebody looks quite bloated and stuff so you might do that over kind of yeah a few days but usually for me it's like two or three days running into comp um, and then we'll just trickle food in as needed. Or actually, one of the things I've been doing with my last couple of athletes is go heavy the day before so that they don't really have to eat on show day. Because if they look at it, they'll like a lot of females don't really like that, like they pick on show day because they want that tiny little waist. Yeah. Or they just get so busy doing their hair, makeup, tan and everything else. Um, but yeah, they just it's quite easy not to eat on show day as well. Yeah. And I think. The other mistake people make as well is that they base their look on what they look like the night before the show. Oh, yeah. And you've got to remember that if you like send your update pictures to your coach at 10 o'clock in the evening or let's say eight o'clock in the evening, whatever, you're not on stage until another potentially, unless you had a mid-afternoon show, that's like 16 hours later. Now, you're burning calories every single one of those hours. So you're walking around, you're doing your hair you're probably not sleeping that much you're getting changed walking to the venue yeah all that stuff stressing out so you'll probably get through another let's say a typical females dieting um you know on 1200 calories or something i'm just giving an arbitrary number could be more could be less um so that's their like dieting macros they could they could probably get through 1200 calories right between that time with their last check-in because you still use calories when you're sleeping right so you kind of need to have a reserve extra. So otherwise, you'll just burn through uh, 300 grams of carbohydrate. So if you've worked really, really hard to fill out, you're going to look flat and also a bit watery by the time you get to stage if you're not keeping topped up. Um, and so that's why I try and actually spill my clients. And I tell them this uh, so that they look a bit like bloated and a bit spilled before they go to bed, because then in the morning they're like razor sharp. Now, like, and also a lot of the time, like a lot of these federations, like your call time might not be till like yeah. 3 p.m. onwards. So even like show day morning, like that's not your peak call time for stage either. So it's um it's getting that balance as well. And I made this mistake in my first show that Stephen prepped me for, for the, the Welsh Championships. And I look back at those pictures now, like, don't get me wrong, I was peeled. I was probably leaner than I've been in any other show. It looked great, but I look now as a coach and I'm like, you looked flat as a pancake. Why would you, like, because I refused to carve up, no, didn't I, on the amount. Be, yeah. I would not. I would not let him carve me up to that level. I was like, no, I'm going to spill. And, um, Obviously, you knew best at the time, you know? Clearly, yeah. I thought I knew better. Um, and I look at those pictures now and I'm like, now, because I didn't realise at that point, because it was my first show, how much food I could take and actually what looking. And this is one of the hardest bits, actually, because you ask your athlete to cast, because obviously you can see pictures and video, but the best thing you can get from an, an athlete is their objective feedback. And I stress this to my clients. I'm like, if you're being a freak head before the show, like, that's cool. That happens. But you need to let me know that you are no longer objective and you're just passing. You ain't rational. Yeah, like yeah. if you've lost your shit, I just need to know about it because I then won't ask you for your opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point actually. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, so like with me, I'm like real. When I try and peak myself, I'm real arrogant with my carb up, and I'm like, 
I was telling my coach, I was like, coach, I reckon I can take an extra 100 grams of carbs. And he'd be like, oh, go 50. And I'd be like, oh, I'll do 100, but I won't tell him about the extra 50. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't advise, I wouldn't advise that. If, if any of my clients are listening, don't you dare do that. Yeah. But, um, again, it, it, but again, like, I've beat myself so many times. Like, it's, I'm very, I'm not emotional, am I? Like, I'm very, very, objective. Yes, I'm very right. objective. Like, I know, um, like, even by the feel of my arms, if they're full or flat. Um, and how much fuller they could be and silly things like that. So, um, and again, like knowing that sort of level about your, 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 your clients as well. And um, I've just had a, I peaked a guy recently for a show and he came to me super, super late. And anyway, and I said to him, look, we've got some data now because next time we peak, we can look at this data and we can go back to why this didn't, you know, and he said, oh, why didn't my legs, why weren't my legs dry? And I explained how and why, and he put himself through a super, super aggressive prep before he came to me. And I said, look, your, your body would be pretty stressed out. We needed every day we could. Next time it will be different for these reasons. We'll have data to go by. And straight away he was like, my God, you've never, no one's ever told me that before in that way. And now you've, and now I've now got his trust. So trust is such a huge aspect when you are working with a client so that my athletes would know that if I say something, I've got the best intentions at heart and the they just kind of have to believe it a little bit. They've got to believe the voodoo and the magic, so to speak. Um, and, and that that does kind of but you you only get that trust by explaining, giving rational like reason as to why. Like people shouldn't have questions like they shouldn't be wondering, why am I doing this? Why have I been asked to take that? Um, and if the answer often is with coaching, unfortunately, because it's what I do or it's because what my coach did with me. It's not the right answer, um, and, and there should be rational or a, a rationalization behind every protocol, every single, um, like, the depletion workouts. I mean, what the hell are they? Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't make any sense. Like, it doesn't change. Why should training really change as well in, in peak week? Um, you tapered from dawn training? Do we talk about that? I don't know. Do you want us to talk about peak week training? So, yeah, you would taper training off in peak week because if we go back to this principle of putting carbohydrates in someone to fill them out you don't then want them training <laughs> and running themselves flat again um which i went to a sneaky zumba class in my life because i liked a bit of zumba it relaxed me my last peak week yeah i went to zumba I love it. Like, I'm finding yeah, out so much more about Laura. <laughs> Literally, like, somebody get this girl a snack. She's yeah. barely keeping up with anything. Just to make my life harder. It was like, like, Laura, can you not miss Zumba this once? Well, and I mean, I, I really, really want to go. It takes a lot. For me. Oh, this is so funny. I love this. I love the sneaky Zumba. But, yeah, you shouldn't be training in towards the end of peak week. And I'll, we'll encourage athletes to kind of deload from training and go lighter. But I wouldn't. It's not the reason you'd encourage somebody to go to deload and go lighter again is to help them fill out, to make sure that they're not overly stressed or got bad DOMS. So they'd be retaining any water or more importantly, somebody can't pose effectively if they've got bad DOMS. And I guess injury as well. Like I've heard quite exactly. a lot of things of like athletes really injuring themselves just but as they get yeah, peak you will get somebody that's been doing like three sets of eight or three sets of 10 the whole way through their prep in their training program. And all of a sudden, peak week, right now we're going two sets of 20 on everything. Well, three sets of 50 depletion, here we go. Drop yeah, six. well, of course you're going to bloody wake up with DOMS if you, you know. suddenly switch up your training that much. Like, yeah. And especially if you're putting a bit of food in someone, they'll get in the gym and think they're like superwoman. Now, so. now I'm a bit of a nerd. So there is one, ad, uh, one change to this. If you've got a really small 
body part, let's say like my arms are small compared to my chest. Okay, they're like out of proportion. So if I needed to bring up my arms or make my look, my arms look big, the best thing that I could do is really heavy eccentrics the day before, because if I can accrue horrific doms in my biceps, they will be visually bigger the next day, but they'll look soft and watery. So it's kind of like, well, you can nerd out on this stuff, but it's not something that you would kind of really recommend to a exactly yeah. and unless you want to really kind of dork out and maybe go long yeah. eccentrics on your squat maybe get some butt can games. you imagine you're there for like three hours just <laughs> just real slow. 20 second ne- <laughs> i'm growing yeah 20 second yeah negatives yeah don't do this guys yeah um, uh with 200 kilos on your back just to make sure you real go heavy but yeah yeah and, and like you, you can geek out with this stuff and, and there is science to support some of this bits you know in um we're really lucky that we're we're in a team and we kind of talk about this kind of stuff and we've got so many clients between us that we can kind of discuss best practice and in things like that really but um and share experience as well because the thing is like you said like there aren't many studies on bodybuilders like what bodybuilder do you know that's going to let somebody muck around with their diet and training and take biopsies from their hard-earned muscle mass like yeah. they just don't get involved in studies and yet alone and also like nobody really funds studies for bodybuilders because nobody really Games. cares about the sport you know it's not solving illness it's not fixing obesity it's not so that's why the studies in nutrition and bodybuilding just aren't there but um, the, people yeah, the, the people with the data is us. Yeah. We're the ones that are running people basically through these tests un- unwillingly. Maybe um, it's like we've got a load of lab rats. Yeah, they are. They are lab rats. Little hamster wheels. They're, that's actually what powers all the energy in the office. Yeah, you'll just slightly rotate this laptop and I just see like a whole different area. Is it maze runner? Are they like, you know, when they go and they're all in the like tubes? That's what happens at Team Boxing too. But, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so you wouldn't, so you would not, so you'd stop training someone. I don't know, say their shows like September, September, Saturday. <laughs> there we were. Obviously, my prep brain is just come right at this moment. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so you'd stop them like. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday I sometimes let my clients go in for a little arm session just so they feel good about going in like they'd have a few carbs because actually then you might assess how get how pumped they're getting um so I give my clients like a pump up workout like routine to do on the day so actually that first day of carb up in the morning they've had a little bit obviously but not too much they can go in and sort of practice and and I'll ask them things like you know how full how full and vascular did you get and stuff in and make sure they've got the right equipment, the bands and stuff to take. To it them. is yeah. stuff like that, though. Like, we'll help our clients with a pump-up routine, and it's good for them to go and practice that. Because, again, as, like, a first-time competitor, like, my first show, I didn't even really pump up. Like, oh, what I did was I stood there with a band, right, and just awkwardly did some lateral raises and some bicep curls. Now, I've got very vascular arms and delts. The last thing I need to be pumping up before I step on stage in bikini is making those arms look you, any more vascular. You're really late. You're worried about your lipstick. Oh, yeah, my lipstick. <laughs> I just remember, like, caught on another note, no joke, last year, yeah. I had no clue what the fuck I was doing. So I literally just, like, casually looked around and copied. 
actor. Like the person, I don't think the person knew, but the backstage guy knew because he just kept laughing at me because I just kept going. Yeah. But the irony is, they're all looking at you, thinking, "Well, oh, she's doing that. I need to do I that. I need to do that." Yeah. So before you know it, you've got like the blind leading the blind, haven't you? Really? And yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like little things like that, though. But if they go in and practice that, yeah, like Stephen said, not only do they then know what they're doing on show day and how long it takes them to get pumped up, but it also shows them what they're going to look like or if they can even get a pump. Because actually, you know, like you might need more food and salt and water in your system before you can even get a bit of a pump. So, yeah. so when you step on stage, like should, how should sounds really silly, but how should your muscles feel? Like what's the best scenario for you? Should they feel quite stiff should they feel quite pumped like i don't know that's probably a really weird question to ask you guys but how should you feel the more mass that you've got the harder you will feel so i know that how i feel now when i kind of train after refit or when i like pump up i fit, everything feels a lot harder and denser than it did in my first year of competing so like i can remember you asking me questions like do you feel hard and i was like well they never really feel hard because i didn't have that much muscle mass but it should feel like like before you step on stage you know if you do like some kind of like if you were to do like pulse reps on squats or like maybe high rep range like arm work or lateral raises for delts and you get that kind of like pumped feeling like that's what you want you want to be able to feel your muscles contracting like when you're hitting your poses can you feel everything as it should be like for me i know when i'm full because i can then feel my back like i find it really hard to get that mind muscle connection in my back the rest of the time but i know when i've got enough food in because it comes to life i can feel like if i start doing some kind of pull downs to warm up i can then feel my lats down by my arms and I, things like that i always think if you're if you're wondering if you're full enough then you should be able to without any load at all you should be able to like, let's say, use your tricep to create a bit of resistance and pump your bicep. And with just like creating as much tension as you can. And if you can do that and feel like your arm going, well, actually, that's yeah, pretty firm now. Then if you can achieve that without any load, without many repetitions, and you feel just fuller, a bit more pumped, a little bit more vascular, you kind of know you're there. If you're doing it and you're like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm a kitten, then you, you've got nowhere near enough inside you and get it in. Mm. Um, but... It, again, it's category class dependent. Like some people look better fuller. Some people look small, you know, like when they carb up, they do, um, you know, like if they have any bloating or whatever or poor digestion, then there's so many other variables that we need to consider really. But is a blanket, yeah, I think, and just to sort of like if people for listening and you want to, you know, conclude it with something, just don't do anything extreme. Keep the carbs in, keep the waters in. Don't be afraid of the carbohydrates. Give yourself plenty of time to get lean. Yeah, that's the more, biggest one. Oh, God, yeah, more time than you think you're going to. If you think you need 12 weeks, double it and add on a bit. Give yourself 30, yeah. okay, um, and, you know, just get super, super lean. Um, and no matter what you do on the day, if you are super shredded, there's not much you can physically do to actually ruin it. Like, literally, there's nothing you could possibly do to ruin it, sticking to those basic principles. By throwing, like you know crap at the wall hoping it all sticks chain you know you're looking great two days out and you throw all the variables up in the air it's just kind of nonsense really so um and the thing is as well if you have too many variables in a week all of a sudden let's say you're planning on going on to do more shows and you didn't look the way that you hoped you would look in that first show you came in a bit watery or whatever 
how are you going to know what it is? Because you've done so much crazy shit compared to normal. Like, like the amount of competitors that go, oh, do you know what? I look better the week before my show. Like, and it's because they haven't fiddled with anything. Yeah, like, if you look great heading into your show, don't piss about with anything and you'll look great at your show. So it is just that, like, that's what we mean by that cherry yeah. on the top. Isn't First it? show, aim to come in 80% looking your best. Aim to look 80% and then the other 20%, you're not going to win the show by outpeaking someone. You'll win a show based on how well you've trained in the years prior. You'll win a show based on your stage presence and how well your tan looks in, you know, your whole presentation and absolutely everything combined. It's not just a case of who did the best peak week. It's a combination of who's got the best symmetry, who's got the best overall aesthetics, who's got the best condition and leanness, and then who presents that. So there are so many facets to being successful. I'm not the biggest guy when I compete in classic bodybuilding, but I beat a lot of people. And it's not because I get out-muscled by them, you know, because I'm able to bring in other areas. So, yeah, just use, find out what your strengths are, keep nutrition simple, training simple, do it consistently. And you'll do really, really well and you'll enjoy it. But um, yeah, I hope, I hope that's been helpful.